Hello and welcome to the Dancers Podcast. I am your host, Dan Donahue. I'm really excited about this episode. This is, I like all the episodes. I've been honestly feeling really great about the podcast in general, which is good for me to feel that way. It would be weird if I was like, yeah, this one sucks. But I really don't feel that way. I'm sure eventually I will, and hopefully I'll be honest enough to be like, hey, this podcast is going to suck, but this one doesn't. This one is with my very good friend, Cooper Lydon. I've known Cooper for a long time. He's, he's probably my oldest friend in L.A. Like, I met him right when I first started doing open mics. And he was, to his own admission, just a little kind of savant funny hey how's it going welcome to the dancers podcast we have a really fun episode the episodes have been really fun lately which i'm I'm glad i feel that way i'm glad i'm not coming on here being like this one's a stinker but this one's not this one's with cooper lyden he's one of my oldest friends in la i've known him since i moved here probably like five or six years ago and uh it's a great listen I really enjoy talking to Cooper. When I first met him doing the Flappers open mic, which you'll hear about, I think, if not on this podcast, on other podcasts. It's a, It was the first mic I did when I moved to L.A., and Cooper was there. And Cooper was, I think, nine, 18 or 19 at the time, and he was just such a little curmudgeon, and he was rude to me the first time we talked to each other. But the kid was so talented that it makes you look past that back in that age. And he's he we'll talk about it on the episode. He's really kind of evened out. But we became friends during this really interesting time in both of our lives where I had gone through a bad breakup and he had gone through a bad breakup. And we sort of just bonded over being in this weird place in our lives and having... Uh, a lot of very strange tendencies. Uh, both of us are pretty crazy when it comes to comedy and like performing it all the time. And I think we really bonded over that. And it's just been a long and good friendship. And I hope that you can hear the rapport on the podcast, which I think you will. Cooper does his own podcast called uh, Cooper Lydon is Alone. I'll put the link to that below and I'll put the link to his Instagram below. You can follow him on that. For me, personally, my plugs are just the Patreon. Please, please, please subscribe to the Patreon. It's $5 a month. I'm writing something right now, and you're going to get exclusive uh, looks at the rough draft of it. And you get an extra podcast a week. So please subscribe to the Patreon. It really means a lot. Just $5 a month, you might not think it's a lot. It means a ton to me. So uh, please check that out, and please enjoy the episode. Thank you. And we're live. Are you kidding me? I'm ready. We got Cooper Lyon in the studio. Do you do like a big intro thing, or how do you start it? I do that before. Yeah, no, we're we're just kicking off. Oh, do you do a solo intro? I do a solo intro. Oh, I like that. How long do you go? Oh, I sometimes it lasts too long. Like 20 minutes? No, sometimes I'll really kind of hit a wave. I try to make it as like genuine as possible, where I, I never want to be like, oh, I he- have to fill time, or I have to do this much, or I have to do that much. I, I really try to make it like... Uh, as genuine as possible like just as long Mm -hmm. as i would like which is kind of how the whole podcast is is i want to just talk for as long as i want see 
some people are really considerate of the listenership. Right. And they really think, what do these people want to see? How much of the podcast should I be doing for them? I couldn't be further from the truth for me. So if you're at like 38 minutes. I'll cut it. And you know you're done. And I'm done? Oh, yeah. I think it's, here's the thing. I think it's like a little bit uh, mean and rude to the audience. If you're going to just ramble on just because you want to fill a certain amount of time for them or because you want to fill a certain amount of time for like ads or sponsorships, it's like, nah, I'm, I'm fine. But it's like, it's like, you know, I've been watching an Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. It's kind of like pushing your personal limits. You know That's I mean? really interesting. Because I get to 38 minutes and I'm alone in my room and I'm like, we got to get to an hour. Right. And I push past and then I get 20 minutes talking about Denny's. But so Arnold Schwarzenegger, we were talking about this and how uh, cool it is that he thinks his and seems to be his one talent is visualizing something that he wants mm-hmm. and obtaining it. Mm-hmm. I have a talent. I can visualize things and make them happen. And then he does it for three separate episodes, and every episode could be its own documentary. Do you get inspired watching that? Yeah. Do you start thinking, maybe I should go to the gym? No. <laughs> no, nothing changes for me, but I look at that, and I'm like, it's so sick that a guy like that no, exists. Nothing about that makes you want to go to the gym. You see Arnold like visualizing as a child, I want to be a big beef man, mm-hmm. and he goes out there, and he gets that beefy body. Nothing about that makes you go, like, maybe I could do... Well, because his, like, Mr. Universe is, like, to me, that's like having a successful Patreon. So my goals are lower. That's my good. goals are far lower. No, that's really good that you're able to find the analogy in it for your own life. Because I think a lot of people aren't able to do that with some of the things that they want. Like, I think I'm maybe a little too dumb. I, I was watching a boxing documentary, and... I wasn't like, oh, I need to try harder at comedy. I was like, I should box. <laughs> I think that's cool. I think that's good too, though, because if any, I don't even know if it's an analogy or it's a rationalization where I'm like, man, Arnold does his shit and I fucking podcast. And meanwhile, it's like, Cooper, you could use the gym. Well, yeah, yes, you and know? No. yes and no. But also, I don't think what Arnold is, do, uh, is doing in the gym is necessarily healthy. I think it's just like a example of what he... I think he just really really wanted a fucking suit of armor made of muscle around his body at all times he wanted to be bigger than his brother that's it yeah it's the same thing as michael (laughs) yeah it's michael jordan it's fully michael jordan in the michael jordan documentary he's like my brother used to be better at basketball than me and then in the in the fucking arnold sorry in the arnold documentary he's like i wanted my brother was bigger than me and i want to be bigger how big is his brother it wasn't that he was just like he was older he wasn't even bigger. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. So Arnold was like seven, and he's like, "I want to get as big as my brother." Yeah. And then his brother died of, like, got a he drove drunk and crashed his car and died. And, and he then, was, and then Arnold was like, "I need to get bigger than an angel." Yeah, Arnold literally in the documentary like, kind of trashes his brother. Like, really? He's, he's honest, but he was like, "My brother, he was weak." Dude, that's kind of the fuck. That's kind of the mentality of some of those people. Is like. If you really get into it and you really get to the... Do you ever... Because you work at the comedy store, so you're around, like, a huge array of levels of success in comedy. Did you say pathetic? 
I thought you were going to talk about all the pathetic people I'm around. No, no. Yeah, no, the, no. The stars. You were speaking positively. <laughs> and what I'm you sorry. were doing is projecting, which I appreciate. I was thinking of um, all the Arnold's brothers that I see at the store. Right. There's a lot of Arnold's brothers it's at the store. Week of mine. But um, so, so you're able to see like a big array of uh, success when it comes to like the field of stand-up comedy, which a lot of people are interested in and a lot of people want to get into. Do you ever feel like people at the absolute upper echelon have things with their like mentality or psyche? It's just that you're like seeing where you go like, because I have like there's there's a certain level of success where I look at some of the mindsets and mentalities that get people there, and I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I have that. Oh, of course, right? Yeah. The, the, well, there's like, yeah, there's like differences. Like if Kevin Hart comes, I'm like, I'm not Kevin Hart. Right. And I'll never be Kevin Hart. Right. Because Kevin Hart is a whole different thing. A whole and different he, thing. What he does has been good for a while, and it's going to stay the same good. But then I look at a guy like a Bill Burr or like a Louis who like took a while, and now people are like, how are you so funny? And he's like, well, it took a while. And I like that because you watch a guy like Arnold and it's almost hard for it to be inspiring because he just is like, I've been great. I'm always great. You know? Right. But it's like it's inspiring to look at a guy like Bill Burr that's like 20 years of my life sucked. Well, you know, you, you get this in poker where there's there's like a really interesting uh, statistical anomaly where there was this guy who had an incredible run in poker, like a phenomenal run, like won the WS or like uh, got a bracelet in the WSOP like Wait. ran through all these tournaments world series of poker is that what you get when you win the world series of bro if you poker? get to the final table i believe you get a bracelet you get a bracelet you get a bracelet i believe like the big thing about uh phil helmuth is that he has like a, a, a crazy amount of bracelets do they wear them all? i don't i don't think he, they wear them all at once they don't flex no. them i don't i don't know I, I maybe phil does phil probably wears them during sex that's hard to He'll like, probably throw them on during sex. Rings are easier to flex. You can count them with bracelets. You just have like a clump of gold, and you're like, this is my life. He probably tries to fit every single one over over the schlong. You think he's a nice cock? He's he's a big guy. It's possible. He's he's one of those guys who's... And listen, I, we, I don't want to get into penis phrenology this early into the episode, but... Um, penis phrenology. Let me, let me say this. He's a big guy, and he's also one of those big guys who seems kind of goofy, where I think if, if you're a big guy and it seems like your joints aren't yet fully formed, you probably have a good piece. Yeah, it's Do you just know what I'm saying? falling off your body like a waterfall in Yosemite. You see Pete Davidson, and you go, he's, he's like a taller guy, and you go, his joints are that of sort of like, there's not completely, obviously he can still run stuff, but there's something of like a fawn. When it comes to his joints, it's sort of like like a baby fawn learning how to walk yes, a little bit. His Not body, a lot. his body's like I don't know what to do, so I'm just gonna keep growing the penis. Because <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know how big this guy's gonna get. His joints still haven't really solidified, so we're gonna we're or, gonna make the penis or, big. Or maybe the body was just like you know what uh, with this guy. Yeah. What we're just gonna go all? Hey, let's forget about cartilage. Yeah. Cartilage. You're taking a break today. We're putting another day, and the rest of the body is like, hey, hey, we got to get like the heart working. And it's yeah. like, no, no, no. F release yeah. lever. Yeah, we're going hammer. <laughs> we're going hammer time. Can it get fully it's hard? No, it's hammer time. Oh. You have to do that to the. Okay, Th so there's the a certain type of guy. There's a certain type of guy. But anyway, so let me go back to my poker analogy. Um, so there's a guy who uh and they and they look at the like statistical abnormalities when it comes to 
the cards he got because poker, like people say, is a game of both skill and luck. Mm-hmm. And when they looked at the like you know variance when it came to the cards he got as it related to other players and the flops that he got as it related to other players, they found that he was just on a crazy, statistically abnormal string of good luck. For how long? For like for like a year, and and that like when you roll dice or whatever. Obviously, over the grand scheme of things, everything is going to even out, right? So, like, if you do it infinity, it's going to be one, one-sixth of the time, two, one-sixth of the time, three, one-sixth of the time, right? But just if you do that over infinity, you're going to see, like, a big, long swaths of just six, right? Like, yeah. there's going to be a bunch of sixes in a row. And they found this guy just got, like, a crazy amount of good hands in a row. And that's not to say he's not a good player also, right. but because of that just roll of the dice he uh he was just like the best player this one year and it's like sometimes when you see people go on runs in life like you can't you can't chalk everything up to luck obviously but what i'm saying is it also for a lot of those guys like with this crazy amount of success it also takes luck and i think some people get confused or upset in their own lives where they're like well i'm doing all the right things and I'm not at this crazy level of success, but having kind of more obtainable, understandable goals can be healthy for your own brain because you kind of go like, oh, well, yeah, maybe I didn't have the luck, but if I just keep working, I can be one of the like workhorse guys that yeah. we've seen kind of make a good living on the road, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's all, yeah, you also have to remember, yeah, like when people blow up, if it took 20 years before, what really made them blow up is time and place because they were funny 10 years ago. But then the world was ready for Bill Burr, and they wanted him then, and it made right. sense then. And, like, Arnold, it's so funny because his string of luck, like, his big thing, and he says this himself in the documentary. He's like, once Reagan got elected, it felt like America was back, and yeah. we were feeling good and top guns coming out. And then he had success because Reagan came in, and for whatever reason, the public was ready for jacked guys. Well, I'll tell you why. That's, like, the perfect ideal Mm-hmm. of Reagan's America in a yeah. way a h- absurdly big humongous humongous big fucking fi- like that was America yeah and, and he's a immigrant and I'm sure it didn't hurt that he was a white immigrant yeah and like it was just all the perfect trappings of what people thought America should be mm-hmm. which is two M16s and fucking huge yeah. chest and pop, 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 pop. Yeah. like that was what people want like Lou Ferrigno had success in America right but I think like literally people weren't ready for a person who had a disability yet like I don't think America was ready in a way for Does he have a disability he's deaf Lou Ferrigno's deaf That's like the biggest thing about. That's the biggest thing about. It's one of the biggest things about. Him. I read books by their covers. I was like, he's jacked. He's fully deaf. He's not fully deaf. Can, do it's you like, have your phone out like right now? Could deaf? you double check? Because if I'm wrong about this, this is one of the biggest faux pas. This this might be. I don't take anything out of the podcast for the most part. This would be a faux pas. Is Lou Ferrigno deaf? This would be a faux pas that would like really kind of ruin the podcast for me we have time for you to uh check it out but i i thought like the biggest thing about or not the biggest thing but one of the yeah i get you know what i'm gonna say 90 percent lou ferrigno is deaf okay yeah 
he lost 80% of his hearing. 80% of his hearing, which I think legally... Dude, can you imagine fucking having to work with that guy? What? How do you mean? Just like on a set. Like there just must be times where like it's the eighties hearing aids yeah. maybe aren't perfect and like he's the Hulk and she's like, You can't do this and then he's like Oh man, I totally didn't hear what you said. Right, yeah, no well he's gotta read lips, he's probably good at that, but like there must have been times when he's filming a movie where he's like, I haven't heard a single thing she said. Well, I that, just know the lines. Dude, that's what's so crazy about anyone who has like What the fuck? Any extra like difficulties especially back then. People, yeah, I don't think had any they didn't give a shit i don't know i don't even know if handicapped parking spaces were a big thing because i remember there was a big push for them at one point in time in america you remember in your life no 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 i'm I'm sorry i remember like hearing about that where it was like a big push and dude people were pissed off yeah definitely people were really mad Mm -hmm. there was this whole it was a big like hack comedy thing to be like oh you need five handicapped parking spaces outside of home depot like, that was a big thing. I might have been one of those guys. Oh, did you have that? No, I, di- I didn't have that joke, but I'm saying if I was you around had that at thought. that time, I'd be like, Psh. No. No, I'd be down with it. We did, a, it. We did a show de- uh, We did a show last night, and let me just say, you had such a good set, not just because it was funny and people were laughing, but... I'm sort of slowly seeing your voice develop in this really cool, interesting way. Oh, really? And uh, I, I think that you, you couldn't be further from the uh, from the truth. I think that you're incredibly, uh, like, independent in terms of your writing. I don't think you have any hack stuff in your set at all. Oh, I wasn't even necessarily saying I'd be hack, but I could see me being an asshole about that, <laughs> but... Maybe in your personal life. You know what I mean? Like, there's also a lot of stuff I don't bring to stage where I'm like, ah, that's funny. But if I said that on stage, it would just be mean. You're like me. I I don't need to be mean. I think we're both a bit precious with what we, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I think we're both generally kind of precious with what we bring on stage where there's a lot of stuff where I go, that could probably work and is a genuine thought I had, which I think is the trappings of an unformed comedian. Because I feel like if I was totally like good and cool with myself i would be like well even if this is sort of a well-trodden topic if i'm feeling it i should just bring it on stage i think that's a battle you run into where like you'll look at one of your favorite comics and you're like why is he talking about that right like why would he do that and then you remember it's like oh well he's so good that he also has a joke about like world war ii right and that one was great but sometimes you it is weird where it's like I don't know. I that is kind of why I like a guy like Bill Burr because it's like what makes him cool is that like he has all this success, but he really like doesn't have any airs about it. Right. And does he works? He visual like you can see it. He works really hard to well, not like be a big timer. Such a great example that is Earthquake, because Earthquake yeah. real because you had the extra thing about him only really getting notoriety in black rooms forever. Yeah. Because it's like Bill Burr had this sort of slow mainstream cl- climb, but Earthquake didn't even really have the mainstream climb. It was like no. you you pounded out with people just putting you in this category of black comedian forever. Yeah. And then finally you get like uh, Dave Chappelle, I think, was the one who co-signed the mm-hmm. Netflix special. He produced it, yeah. And then you get on Rogan, and then boom, now you're kind of flopped over on the other side. Yeah. But it is crazy how the f- 
like the funniest black comics in the world don't get to go fully mainstream because they're yeah. too black for white America. It's true. Like Bernie Mac was just too black for I white mean, America. I mean, the fact that Dion Cole isn't a household name in the same same way like Stephen Wright kind of was yeah, in comp- yeah. like they should occupy the same because it's like we have a modern day people people are always like oh Stephen Wright he's like so one of kind it's like he is yeah but we have like a modern day version of St- Stephen Wright in Dion Cole do you find them to be similar just in the fact that they both have like incredibly interesting one-liners and like a sort of what what's the word I'm looking for? Not unconventional delivery. Yeah, and kind of dry but confident in it. Yeah, yes. I know what you mean. Yeah, no, it is it is insane because you look at some comics and like like if you're a white person, you do have to watch Bernie Mac for a couple minutes until you're like <laughs> until you're like <laughs> do you get it? I get what he's saying. Right, you know what I mean? Or even like even like Richard Pryor is so funny, but he talks like a black dude from the '70s. He's a black dude in the '70s. I think that's also just a time thing, and that's a time thing. Yeah, but there's so many funny comics that people watch, and they go like, "I can't really follow him." It's like, the, how about you sit down for a second and not try and just listen to somebody that's Barbara for once? There, there's there's white guys from the '70s that take a second because they're also kind of yeah. doing their version of what it is to be cool in the '70s, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but we're just not used to it. No. We just kind of don't have a reference point or understanding of yeah. it. But uh, It's just so funny, though, because it's like there's all these hilarious black comics that white America is like not ready for, and it's like he's talking about mustard. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah, talking yeah. about buying mustard with your mom when you were a kid, and for some reason you want to get this brand because you saw a commercial for it, and she's like, you eat this every day, and now you're crying in the market, and she hits you with the mustard bottle or whatever. You know right. what I mean? It's like that's all he's talking about. That's relatable. Right. But he's talking in a way that's much cooler than you talk. <laughs> And you don't get it. And that's what it is. You're not ready for someone who talks cooler than you. Literally, it's because white comics, like Louis is a great example, Norm is a great example. They're amazing, but a lot of the basis of their style, and, and black comics have said this way before I have, it's that white people's comedy, a lot of our comedy, is we really like explaining things slowly mm-hmm. and being like, because if you do this, then that's going to happen. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of that, you know? But a lot of black comics are like, you know what I'm talking about, and they just go straight to the funny. Oh, and that's, that's so why interesting. It's like, it's, like it's like a faster speak a lot of times, and it's quicker. But everything is being said. It's just not taking a moment to like go deep into this thing because it's like, you know, like the real hardcore versions of that are like. I was watching a comic last night. She had a special, and she was like pretending to hold a mic next to the mic, and she stopped, and she was like, "What's this?" And it was a funny part, but it's like all these little detours and these like little side roads and like going into every single thing you're doing a lot of black comics like i'll just go to the funniest part of this joke right that's what you know it's like you know i've never had no pumpkin pie you know what i mean like you don't need to explain that joke right i mean you don't need to go into it that's not the best example no no like i kind of i kind of understand what you're saying yeah it's just like a different level of yeah when you say that there's not as much much explanation i do kind of get because i mean me like i when I write bits out, it does sort of kind of come to me and it's like, well, I need to kind of set this up right. Like, yeah. I'm a setup guy. You love I, a setup. I love setups. You love a setup. Almost too much. That was my big issue early in comedy is uh, my this guy, um, um, Matt Woodland, was a uh, a dude who was I thought was so funny and Rest didn't have peace. a lot of setup. No, yeah. he's still alive. Rest in peace. D- didn't have a lot of setup in his jokes, and he came to me and he was like, "I love your premises," and I was like, "That's that's never what you want to hear." And no. he was like, "He was like, well, you don't really have the punchlines down yet, but I'm always listening." 
Yeah. And that meant so much to me. I think like it's carried on like further and further into my stand-up where I think now I, I think almost too much about premises. I think that's why you had like the best set of the show last night. Is oh, I don't think that's true. You were, because like you came up and all your jokes were very direct and they were like, you tell them what they're going to think and then you tell them how it happens and then they followed you because that room, we did a brewery show. Let me talk to Cam right now. We did a brewery show and it was spread out and the crowd was not reacting a lot. But your jokes were like, Bop, 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 bop. So it's like you have to be an idiot to not be following because he's doing such a good job of letting you know everything you need to know to laugh. I appreciate and then they that. did, and you're emoting well and all that stuff. But you know what I felt last night? What? Which is kind of rare. I felt so loose, and I don't know what it was. It's because the show kind of sucked. Well, so no, you're like, let me just no, do my nervous. job and have fun. I was fun. nervous because I, I wanted to do good in front of you and Meredith. Yeah, I was I was really nervous. I was nervous. I wanted to do good in front of you. I wanted to do good in front of Meredith. I knew the room wasn't all that good, and when people start talking over you, it's a big hit to your ego and stuff. So I was worried about that too. Sometimes it just happens, and maybe it'll be more recreatable as time goes on, like as as you kind of keep doing something. But I was just loose, dude. I was just like, oh damn, this feels so cool. Yeah, like I just kind of felt my. I was like, oh, my arms like relax. Like usually, I'm I'm. You're little, moving around pretty loose up there. I was Everybody was using the bars because we were like behind a part of the bar that had like railings. Dude, so we're we such were, losers. We were throwing knees. Not, on. not not you specifically, but like comics are such losers because when we see something that we could put our foot up up on and kind of look cool, we all just like we all want to pretend to be like, oh no, we're we're just like, and hopefully someday we will be like, oh, we're complete clowns and like we don't want to, we don't care about being cool. But when we see a bar to dude. put our foot up on, dude. it's game over. Yeah. We're going to try to look like, yeah. what's his name? The comic from like way back in the, like 1950 who is like Lenny Bruce. We're yeah. going to try to look like Lenny Bruce up there. Yeah, I I was I had two Bud Lights before I went on stage. And at one point had my foot on the bar, hand on the knee, leaning in. And then I, things were going fine, but I was like, you got to get your foot off. I, felt I was like, step back, step back, thing. just stand there, just stand there. The and then I stood there and I felt. to me. I felt Dude, better. The same. Th- I was like, "You dork, yeah. you goddamn dork, yeah. yeah." You're gonna, you're gonna put your foot up and, like you're saying something. Yeah. What are you breaking it down? Oh my god! What are you god, being real dude. right now? I gotta. You know what I mean? If you can beat that out of yourself, not just in standup but in life, where it's like when you get up on a soapbox and you're really trying to like be important. Yeah. If you can get that out of your head. Dude, your life is free. I don't even think I was trying to be important. I think I was literally just surface level. I was like, "This looks no." That too. That too. Sick. It go. Yeah. There, there's like layers to this it. This is like Top Gun. You know what I mean? Be like, "How was your flight today?" You know what I mean? Like hand, foot on the barrel. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> honestly, you see, Bill Burr does it, and the problem is you forget that you're not as funny as him, right? At all. But you're like, he he does it. He you looks, really love. But you've brought Bill up a few times. You really love him. Well, I, he's a great. Like he's just a lo- he has a lot of good examples as a guy and as a stand-up, and he's a very misunderstood person even to this day. He conquered his anger years ago. <laughs> he took mushrooms, he conquered it, and still people are like, "You're the angry guy, right?" And I like I look at him and I'm like, I think you're a lot less angry than like Jerry Seinfeld, because you know it's like you don't like Bill. I like him because he's like I have a problem and he fixed it, and I respect that as a man that has terrible anger. Well, yeah, so I, I was actually thinking of this, and we'll, we'll go into it, but I, I was thinking about this recently where I was wondering, what's the more interesting person? And I was thinking, like, what's the person I want to hear from more? The natural 
like the person who has things now, like the person who's naturally like, I've met people like this. They're rare, but they sort of just have no, uh, they have no internal, it seems like difficulty navigating anger or navigating like being, I guess the word is, I hate to put it so simply, but like being chill. Like there are people who are just so naturally calm. Who cares? What I, you know? I I do revere those people in a way. Yeah. But, but to me, the more interesting story is the person who like was not that way, mm-hmm. had issues with anger, had issues with whatever it is, and figured it out. Yeah, because that's a more understanding person. And I'm not saying that the people that are naturally chill have not done the work. My mom is kind of a naturally chill person, but and she like, puts in work. but she's done the work and she still does the work. And I don't want to take those people's credit away, but I like the guy that spent like 30 years of his life being the worst guy ever. Not actually, but like way too angry, drinking too much. And then he looks at other people. And when he sees a guy being really angry, he's not like, Oh, what's up with that guy? He looks at him and he's like, yeah, man, he's in it. Yeah. Like he's in it. That That's, guy has a perspective because he lived through that. And, you know, it's like, oh, how'd you get to be this place? And it's like, well, I honestly just didn't kill myself. You know what I mean? Where it's like some of my favorite comics, you look at them and you're like, how do they do that? And it's like, oh, they just like didn't kill themselves. Like they just right. stayed alive. Like like Louie was going to kill himself. He didn't. Got a job in the Dana Dude, Carvey show. So and, then, you know. and, and it's like, uh, you know, I think I think probably a lot of suicide prevention stuff covers this. But it's also just like. And I know people go through stuff I can't even like fathom or imagine, but I'm like, man, if you just stick it out, if you just go through it and like you figure this out, the gift that you have is so incredible. You're so sick. The, it's so incredible. Like that. You're such the, a sick dude. Like I, I mean, in in a much like smaller way. But when my dad died, I was like, uh, you know, I, I was sad. I never, I never, it never got to like a crazy bad point. But like I was when your dad dies like yeah. you feel how you feel when your dad suddenly dies but the thing that it really gave me is when my like when other people have that sort of thing i'm like oh i can see you on a level that people who haven't gone through this can't really see mm-hmm. and there's something really beautiful about that and i, I want to talk to you about that like because you're kind of coming to the other side of your anger. Do you feel that way? You're definitely way... It's way better than when I first met you. Yeah. Because you were always... Here's how I put it. Is you were always Cooper. Like, you were always the person you are. But it's like if uh, if an area experienced a earthquake every four or five days. Yeah. It's like you're still in beautiful, like, uh, Costa Mesa. It's a good city. It's a good city. There's a school. There's food and drink. People there are really nice. But every four or five days, it it experienced, like, a big earthquake. Three fatalities every day. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes a car crashed. Sometimes a building went down. Yeah, constant funerals. But it's still cool. It's still a nice place. People don't want to leave the city. But they're thinking We're, about it. They're thinking about it. <laughs> I'm thinking about, like, we might have to, you know, We might move. have to relocate. You know I mean? Yeah, we might have to relocate. Yeah. All of our friends and family are starting to not want to live here. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm still so young. I feel like it would be crazy to say that I'm, like... No, coming. of course. But I definitely... My, my jerk reactions to stuff have changed, and I honestly am not even sure how I did any work to change them. But it's like, like, namely, it's like comedy. I used to hate people that are so like not worth hating. 
like the people like the dumbest people to hate yes. are people that are young, charismatic, and have a lot of early success. That's right. so stupid to hate them. It's so crazy. That's to hate what them. they're good at. And also you just haven't seen them develop yet where it's like you don't know where this is going. Like no. it's in a, the only thing you have to go off of is it's in a good place now. Which is a such a dumb it's barometer. It's such a crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's know what you're saying. Insane barometer. But, but I also for life. understand where the uh the like angst can come from of that if you feel like you should be in their position. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like you want to, I don't know, it's like you get into stand-up because you love stand-up and also your family's falling apart and then you have your own thing and you kind of finally have control of it, but yes. then you look around and like everybody's doing better than you and then you're like, well, I don't have control of this either. I can't keep this together. Right. Oh, what? So my, my dad's on heroin and comedy too? You right. know what I mean? It's like this is all happening right. again in other places, but honestly now it's like, I used to envy the things people have, but now I envy people that have been doing stand up professionally for over thirty years. Like that's what like like gets my dick hard. That's like, I look exactly at that. what you want to look up to. It, it's sort of this level of prescribing yourself to the work and not the fruits of the work. Yeah, because it's like I I talked about this um, in the little writing thing I had, and uh, God, I hope all of this doesn't get back to him because I think he would be a little creeped out by how often I'm talking to him. But Brad Wenzel. I like talking would to love him. Uh, I hope so, because not only is he just the funniest guy and like pretty young to be as so, as funny as he is. He has two albums and all that stuff. I was like sure of himself and just good. There's just nothing like the guy is just the best. Just like, so calm. Yeah, fr- from the from the experiences I've had with them with, with him, it's it's just like yeah, but but um, he's a guy who just loves the work. Mm-hmm. And being around him and being around those guys makes you like love the work. But it's like with with you and the anger, what's interesting is I've sort of seen slowly through time and like I'm sure it does take effort, but it might feel like it doesn't. I've just seen these pathways of avoiding anger just sort of form themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Dude, this was a good one. I was in San Diego. I was doing shows with Meredith. My very funny girlfriend in college. Very funny girlfriend, um, Meredith we, Casey. I'll have her on. We the went out to go get tacos at that Tacos 1986 place right near Madhouse Comedy Club. We walk in. It's super crowded. For some reason, they have two lines. I hate how it's set up. It's not. I like LA. You get a truck. Here, they got this dumb restaurant with two lines. I go in, and there's a security guard. He doesn't speak English, but I'm like, Carnitas? And then he just like points me over there. He points me to the wrong line. I get in the line. So funny. And I'm like, this is Pastor. I don't want this. I look. It just has like pink juice coming out of it. And I'm like am I an idiot or is that blood? That looks gross to me. <laughs> I'm really angry to be in this line and like the anger built up. You're in up, the bloodline. And I was in this line and I was just like, <clears throat> I was like immediately like, I'm so mad right now. I'm right. furious. And it's like, I didn't even, because I just accepted a couple things I didn't like, put myself into a situation I did not want to be in in the first place, was so angry. And I looked at Meredith and I was like, I was like, let's get out of here. And then I like, I don't storm out. You know, we right. walk out, but we're angry. We're walking down the street. And I was like, <laughs> and then I just like stopped. And I was like, because I always, the, what's funny about anger is it's like, like, because I'm also dumb. So people are like, you got to stop. And I just forget to stop. I just forget that that's supposed to happen because the rage takes over. So then I stopped on the street and you feel like a child. But I stopped on the street and I just went like, <sighs> I'm so mad at a taco place there's other food and then i just like and then and then i took a breath and you feel so much better 
because you just let the you like because the anger is kind of mad because it like is trying to break through a wall and it's like let me out and then once it gets out it wants to kill everybody but if you're like all right just come out just come out we'll open it just come out and we'll chat for a sec and then we'll work this wait, out wait, wait wait just not to cut you off but when you say the anger is mad that's really interesting. Well, it feels like it's taken over. But you, when yeah. you're conceptualizing it, is is it like is it something that's consistently dormant, and then some things will flare it up? I describe it as like, I think I've said this to you before. Where people are like, how do you get mad so quickly? It's like, well, because the pot is always bubbling. You can just take the top off. Right. You know what I mean? But then you kind of get better. Like, sometimes you take the top off to, like, throw hot chili on people's faces and, like, exert your anger on the world. But then you kind of try and get to a point where you're like, all right, let's try and take the top and then fix this bubble here. Yeah. And then we'll kind of work it out. And, like, I don't know. I think I have a problem of, like, separating parts of myself but also integrating them. That's confusing. But I'll say it like this. No, keep going. Like, the this other- is, listen. The people love hearing about this. Even if it gets in the weeds, this is good. Yeah, the other night, and this isn't anger, but this is like sadness, which is the beginning of anger. So I went to a casino to do 20 minutes to feature for Mike Turner, who's a very funny comic. Yes. And I bombed hard. At a casino, like, which happened. For like 15 out of 20. Yeah. Like, I say 15 because my first two jokes are very easy, and then I just lost them. I started stumbling. Uns- like Not fully sat room, older white people, hated the riffs, jokes went okay, harder jokes they did not like, whatever. But I drove home two hours alone, and I didn't listen to any music or any podcasts, and I just spoke to myself because I was like, we need to have a little conversation. Because I was like... That's so beautiful. Cause I, yeah, because I had the thought... Of course I called Meredith, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to drink and just crash my car and die on the way home. Like <laughs> I said, I said... Whatever. You told Meredith that? No, I held that one back. Good. I told her I wanted to die. <laughs> but I was like, oh, you can't say that to the to the gal, you know? You also you also only maybe have a couple of those. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They don't want to hear it. Nobody wants to hear that. That's not cool, right. you know? So I was like, all right, you could do the usual thing where you like think about how much you suck at this and how it's the only thing you want in life. And since you suck, you should kill yourself. Like, whatever. That's a logic you've built that doesn't actually make any sense. We could do that. But you could do the thing that is not actually fun which is to talk to yourself so then i was like i was thinking like man i i hate myself and then i had a good thought where i was like well what what do you hate and it's like i hate that i like i get so uh lazy and i don't do stuff and i'm like trying to build this career but i also shut myself down so much and it's like all right so that's a part of you like i move into this new studio apartment i go to palm springs i try and book these dates and i'm trying hard to all this kind of stuff but there's also a part of me that's like stay in bed you're gonna bomb don't do that and i i mold that into myself and i go i hate myself because i think that way and i went no i don't hate myself i love myself a lot i hate that there's a part of me that wants us to die and is trying to kill us and that part i hate but he lives here so i gotta talk to him so now it sucks because it's like talking to like every week i have to talk to a guy that i hate Every day I have to talk to a guy that I hate that he has to come out of the room and I'm like, all right, come in. Yeah, you want to lay in bed. I would love that too, but <laughs> this isn't going to work. So you got to reason with him and be like, we can we can come right. home. We can get high later. You know what I you mean? Gotta, That's why like, yeah, it's like Burt Kreischer is like, I don't think ne- he's necessarily a horribly depressed guy, but I hear him talk and he gives himself treats every day. And that's kind of his... That's him compromising with that part of himself of, you know what I mean? Like we can have, we can have, you know, I mean, he, he's got some hardcore treats, but you know what I mean? He's like, we can have eight beers later, but right now we got to do promo, you know, and I'm not good at it, but it's also like, 
you gotta you it's like a separation of self to be like this is all part of myself but it's all like 15 people talking and one of them sucks he just sucks so much but we got another guy that's like super amped about comedy and is like let's make a clip every day and like let's get out there you know and he's like he just gets he gets his ass beat every day right like he's getting rocked and he's kind of fine with it well, he's gotten used to it. Yeah. Because he loves, he loves everybody so much. So he gets punched in the face, and he's like, it's good. Oh, like, I still like you guys. Like, I'm still going to throw out these ideas. And then the part of myself that wants to lay in bed all day, we've let him get really jacked and just let him get yoked. And we've let him say, I'm the whole brain, just so you know. Right. I'm Cooper. I'm the whole personality. Yeah. yeah. So now you got to be like, listen, I know it's super fun to get angry and I know it's fun to like just say like like screw the whole day let's just go to sleep but like then you're a loser are you familiar with the term and this is I'm familiar with every term every single term don't even worry it's uh and it is unfortunate because it has been sort of co-opted by this woo-woo level of uh like kind of the way people speak about it's called shadow work have you have you ever heard of that I mean, I've heard of every term. So I don't know yeah. the details, but the I've details. Heard that. Let, me, let me go into. The, I mean, you've clearly heard of it because yeah. it's a term. Yeah. Shadow work, and I, I may be getting this slightly wrong, but uh, I, I sort of uh, was predisposed to it due to this book, uh, the Dark Side of Light Chasers, and it's about how incorporating the parts of yourself. You're, you're kind of describing it beautifully. Incorporating those parts of yourself that you don't want to deal with or you see as, like, dark and bad and evil. Yeah. Finding a way to bring them into the light and managing them mm-hmm. is what makes you feel your most whole and what's cre- what creates, like, a place and a foundation from which you can create the most interesting whatever it is you're doing. Like, right. the most interesting art, the most interesting work like whatever you're doing or just become the wholest version of yourself so like uh the stuff that you're describing where it's like there's this part of me and understanding it and isolating it and then being like and you need to reason with it it's great because i think what a lot of people do what a lot of people make the mistake of doing is they shut that part completely down yeah and they go which I, for better or worse you you can't do that you don't yeah. really have the option michael jordan can and arnold schwarzenegger can but they feel this deep well inside them. Yeah. And I'm not good at that. There are some people that like shut it down and they're like, let's just focus on the good. I've realized that I got to talk to my guys. Like it's a, it's a click and it's a screwed up click, you know, but you I'm never, DJ screw just chopping. And you're kind of DJ feelings. screw. That's what I'm trying to do. Just like remix everybody till we can get a good tape out. Well, I, I think about this. You never know what's going on in these people's personal lives. And I don't want to speak on their personal lives. I want to speak on their like public speak on it. But, like, John Jones is a great example of this. The MMA fighter. Yeah. Like, he seems to be in public, in the public eye, constantly oscillating between being a bad guy and then trying to go so far into being a good guy. Mm-hmm. And clearly it exists in the middle. And I, I think about that with everybody where it's like, I think everybody has these shadow parts of themselves and, like, dealing with them, not letting it control your personality understanding this is not me but also not completely shutting that down and be like i i'm gonna be completely like whatever like totally mormon now like or whatever thing that you're gonna like put yourself fully into to avoid that part of yourself yeah because you can really go down that path and that can be just as negative because you have this thing boiling inside of you And even if let's say you 
to the letter follow whatever prescriptive thing. I think a lot of those people end up in cults too. Yeah, when you definitely. have something really dark yeah. and you're trying to completely shut it off and avoid it, mm-hmm. though a lot of those people end up in systems of thought and action that put them in a completely like prescribed mentality. Yeah, they want to be told what to do. It's like, I'll wear the robe, you can have sex with my wife, whatever, I don't have to think about how sad I am, I'll just deal with how I feel. Because like, I'm giving this. it all up to you, and yeah. it's like, that's its own form of, obviously, its own form of avoidance in that own way. Yeah. Because Which is a crazy way to avoid stuff. Dude, it's, getting someone to have sex with your wife is it's like, a very bad way to avoid stuff. Dude, that. if you want to escape stuff, like just buy a PlayStation 4. Get like, a just, pack of cigarettes. You might as well just be lazy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? No, but those people wake up and they're like, oh, I killed a guy for somebody? Yeah. yeah. It's not good. No. Um, But yeah, I, I think like th- what you're talking about is the sort of, not to not to butter bread or anything, but like it is the braver path to be like, I'm gonna just kind of confront this myself, and it's gonna take a lot longer. But if it works out, then I'll be a whole version of myself. Because even those people, I, I think of this all the time. The idea of original sin, right? People rightfully don't like that idea. Because they're like, w- w- oh, so I'm born and I have a sin? Like, that seems stupid. I, and, and I understand that. I think that it's maybe poorly interpreted. But I always see original sin as this thing where it's like, you have a when you have consciousness, you have a burden. Yeah. Because without consciousness, you have no need to even consider things like morality. No. Because you, you're an amoral, like, thing. That's what consciousness kind of is. Yeah. That's why I don't trust fish. Right. I mean, that's why I'll I'll kill a fish easy. I'll kill a fish anyway. There's no need. People say, why would you do that? I say, they have no morality. No morality, dude. Yeah. Um, so, like, when you have uh, when you have consciousness, I see it as it coming, coming as a burden. And if you completely prescribe yourself to a, like, set of someone else's actions and codes, you, you are, in a way, skirting that responsibility. Yeah. Which I know is funny because it's almost like saying, like, a complete system of... But th- these are the systems of organized... I'm not even going to call it religion because they're even worse than that. But these systems of spiritual bypassing, which yeah. is that that's the word for it, which I really like. Hmm. Where it's like you don't need to do the battle of life. Yeah. It's these things where you're trying to... Even if you do that to the letter, you do it perfectly, you follow everything, you live and die and you follow the... You still missed out on i think like the core of your being which exists in this state of like freedom yeah and the responsibility of freedom yeah i think i like the like the greatest thing in life is like trying to become an uber man like i i got very pretentious on my podcast yesterday because you're a philosophy major for a little and then i switched to creative writing okay but i took some classes i like existentialism and all that stuff that can get annoying but i said i was very pretentious on my podcast i said you know, Nietzsche said God is dead, but now it's like Nietzsche's dead. Because Nietzsche was like, conquer yourself. Like, you're a human, and the reason you have this consciousness is to conquer yourself and your base instincts. And I was going against polyamorous people because I'm like, listen, man, like, the reason we went to monogamy was to conquer that part of ourself. <laughs> and like, to, you know what I mean? Like, like we got away from Well, like, that's one way like, of thinking Let's of Let's it. just bang everybody. We get away from let's just drink every day. We get away from this. We do, we're trying to conquer And ourselves. the other way of thinking of it is monogamy was formed as a, like, uh, prescription of ownership to your partner. And that's what's up. 
No. And no, and that's not what's up. But no, anyway, I, obviously choosing monogamy is totally fine. I'm you're u- not necessarily I'm using being a bad person. I'm but using I, I get it. what you're saying. For no. my own argument. It's like right. I don't like all these people that don't want to conquer themselves. Like I, I, I think like what I would like in life is to fully like conquer myself. And to, to Arnold it. To imagine a self, but that's not what you're to, saying. When, create that person. When, when you talk about the incorporation of your sa- shadow self, that's not necessarily conquering it. That's sort of just giving it a seat at the table. Yeah, yeah. It's it's conquering in the way of like, listen, you're here, but like we gotta work this out. So we gotta do. See, but that's you know, not. Conquer- but I'm gonna work with you. I, I, it's a it's an issue of definition, but it's like I think conquering just has this negative connotation of like demolishing and. Like, I I am now the complete ruler and blah, blah, blah. But I think what you're talking about is a more holistic... There, there's a thing uh, in Buddhism that's like, you have to sit down, with, like, whatever the word for devil is, you have to sit down with the devil, devil and offer it tea. Yeah, now that's, that is what I mean. Yeah. Where it's like, I have this huge rage, or I have this, like, death instinct, or I have this suicidal ideation or whatever. And, you know, you bring them all to the table and you talk to them, and it's like, listen, you are great guys. You got a lot We're of all good, great You guys. got a lot of good stuff to say. There's stuff going on here. You, like, we just got to get to a point where you're not trying to kill me, but you're still part of the, the crew. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's not conquer. It's more like compromise. Like, let's work with each other. Let's work this out. You can't lead the way. There can't really be a leader here. We're all kind of working together in this. And it's just, I don't know. I I have like just so many different conversations with myself of different parts of myself that really it's just me giving voices to different things. Right. But I'll like have a negative part speak to the positive part. And it's, it's it, so interesting. It like elucidates how dumb the negative part is. Cause did, the negative did you part, learn this in like therapy? Is this a. No, that's just how I think. That's just, I mean, you learn, they tell you, I guess you always learn to do that, but everybody does it in different ways. But I'm always like having a full on conversation to myself of like, well, how'd you like driving home from the set? I was like, well, how'd you feel about the set? It's like, well, like I, I really feel like I, I sucked and I'm not good at this. And it's like, yeah, well, you're not as good as you want to be. And it's like, yeah, definitely. It's like, but are you going to stop doing comedy? And it's like, no, definitely not. And then it was like, would you have done that show if you knew you were going to bomb? It's like, totally. It's like, okay, so you want to do this. It's like, yeah. It's like, okay, so is, is us thinking about killing ourselves going to make us better the next time? And then the negative part has to be like, probably not. And it's like, all right. So how could we think? And it's like, well, I feel really bad because I felt like I had a job to do and now it's my fault. And it's like, oh, you have issues with feeling like it's your fault a lot. Why do you think that is? And then we're talking about the death of the family and it's all childhood. It's always just childhood stuff, no, th- you know? This is why, like, and I hope this doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, but, like, you are an inspirational person to me. Because oh, damn. I think that you do have, like, this natural... uh angst inside of you which isn't your fault like these things just kind of come from our experiences and sometimes it's just like the way your brain is set up yeah i've been angry since i was like five yeah like, me yeah. and my therapist can't figure it out <laughs> literally i was so angry when i was five i'd punch this kid max every day because he'd get in my personal space and i'd be like max step off and he wouldn't and i'd punch him and it was a daily thing like, right I'd get in the car and my older brother would be in the car he'd be like you punch max today and my mom would be like stop it but right. I did. I punched Max every day. You until, Max every day. Until we finally became friends later. But yeah, it's, it's always been there. And you've, like, with that... Dude, you're almost Lou Ferrigno. So, like, my anger is his deafness? Like, you have this... this or thing. I'm the Hulk. 
You're the whole, that's exactly it. Like you have yeah. this thing. Next five years, I think five more years, and we'll really have the Hulk gene. Yeah, like we'll have it down. Like, like and I can become a superhero. That would be cool if you turned your anger into muscle. That literally is the plan. Yeah, because I'll be like, stand up's gonna take a while for me because like my mental development is very much in conjunction with my stand up to where I'm like. All my thoughts and all this stuff is going to make sense as I get older and I'm able to have more awareness of it. Because really great comics are people who have like a full awareness of themselves. There's something and, to say about and, that, and yeah. And are able to speak honestly. Like I think Richard Pryor is the greatest comic in the world because he has like a 10-minute chunk on burning half of his body while freebasing. And it's like the worst part of his life. But he's like completely honest about it and vulnerable about it. And it's kind of like we were talking about black comics not having to explain everything. Like a white comic would really make a big deal of like, I'm being vulnerable with this. Right. But he doesn't have to because it's obviously vulnerable. And right. he's showing strength by joking about it and, and being honest that it's the worst part of his life. Like he has a joke that Jim Brown came to his house, looked at him smoking freebase, and was like, all right, but what you going to do? And then he's like, I'm going to keep smoking. And he's like, okay but what you going to do? And he's crushing. And, yeah. But he just keeps saying Jim Brown just keeps following him around his house going, but what you going to do? And it's his part of his life where everything's falling apart. But the point is he takes it to the stage, talks about probably one of the lowest moments of his entire life and gets people to laugh. And if that isn't an acceptance of self and the mistakes he's made and growth, then like, I don't know what is. So that's why like I say, yeah, stand-up's going to take a while for me because this isn't done yet. I'm not fully aware, right. still too angry, I don't know my inclinations. I go on stage, I have views that are, are perceived differently by the audience because they're like, ah, you're too angry. And I don't know that right. yet, you know what I mean? So it's like it just takes a while. But eventually, I want to get to a point where I can stand up there and not have to do a lot of thrills and just murder. And people will be like, how do you do that? And it's like, well, because I've sucked my whole life before time. this. It's been yeah. 20 years of sucking yeah. until I finally took all the things that made me terrible and now they're part of the act. Because you look at a guy like, you know, you look at a guy like Louie talking about like some of the grossest stuff on stage and it's like, well, how do you like, how do you make that funny? And it's like, well, he's honest with it. You know what I mean? And he's right. still, a, he's a flawed guy, you know, obviously. But I'm saying in terms of like some of the ideas that he's putting on stage, people be like, why would you even talk about that? And it's like, well, I thought about it. And I think life is about being honest about it. Like, we have friends that will not open up to the world. And and I don't envy them at all. Because I like my life. Because I have friends like you and everybody in my life that's close to me, I know actually likes me. Because I know sure. I'm a lot. So I'm like, if they're here, then they really care about me. Right. And that's why it's not like, you know, it's like... Everybody that's around me, if if they describe me, would probably be like, "Yeah, Cooper's a good guy. Like, you know, a little messed up. Like, he's got a lot of work to do. Sure. But like, there's a good part in there. Sure, you know. So I look at you know, like your belief in me just as a person, and I'm like, okay, so there's something here. You know, we can we can crack some of the bad stuff off. Right. But there's something here. Right. But I'm not going to go around lying about it. I got to be fully me until this is palatable for everybody, and it's and it's a good time. Not even palatable for everybody, but just like. I gotta. I have to be me at all moments. I realize for I, the most part, I'm the Jim Brown in your life. Pretty much. I love that. Yeah, pretty much. I love being Jim Brown. Totally. Yeah, um, totally. You need a Jim Brown in your life. Let's well, really, dude. This is exactly what I wanted to happen in this podcast. I didn't come for jokes, okay? I came to let people know that no, you got we to conquer there, the hat man. Here's here's the thing, and it, I know it's weird wrapping up, but th these are the thoughts that you have after you do a podcast, and here's what I actually think, because this you this thought process usually happens like the moment the camera comes off so let's have it right now i think that there were really funny parts of this but i think what's more important is like we got both 
which is how life is. Yeah, I don't like I don't like hamming it up for the pod. Right, people. I don't ham it. it and there's podcasts that are just riffing, and that's great. Yeah, but this one is sort of, it's sort of like a hybrid. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's where it goes, baby. You got to follow the water. Okay, follow the water. And if it goes into some murky areas, I'm diving right in with my boat shoes on. No, this is great, and I love you. Is there any? thing you want to plug obviously i'm going to plug your podcast in the beginning but if, if there's anything extra I'll let the people know oh yeah i mean pretty much just cooper light and his alone podcast you can find it everywhere he's going to plug it double plug other plug than it. that you know come on by to the comedy store you can see me going up a couple nights a week couple nights a week follow me on instagram i post dates there too cooper Lydon, twitter Lydon cooper follow the tiktoks cooper Lydon. cooper Lydon is alone um <laughs> I do a podcast where I'm alone for an hour. If you liked my contribution to this podcast, it's pretty much the same thing, except no back and forth. No back and uh, forth. No. No Jim Brown. Yeah, no. Nobody telling me I'm wrong. Right. Just full. I, I'm way more wrong on my own podcast. That's Because fine. it's just a, the warrior in the garden, really. The warrior in the and garden. And we're two studio guys now. And I was oh, yeah. thinking on the way here, I think a studio apartment is the modern man's version of walking into the desert. It's good. There's no way to be solitude anymore. Because no. all, sh- all, all your crappy friends, they tell you, hey, man, you go to a studio apartment, you're going to get lonely and stuff. And you go, no, no, no. Not me. I'm going into the desert yes. to be a solemn monk. I'm finding myself. Yeah. Dude, you see the, you see the meditation cushion. Right you got there. a meditation cushion. You got a new basket. Ball. That's what's basketball. good about living alone is you just wake up and you go, what am I going to do? I was listening to my friend the other day. He goes, ooh, I'm going to get a sandwich tomorrow. And I'm like, that's a living alone that's thought. That's a living alone a thought. A living alone thought is I got to wake up. I got to have a reason to get out. And if it's a sandwich, it's a sandwich. And that's I where feel you great. Find. Yeah, I feel like I am actually developing myself in a good way. Right? Because yeah. you wake up and you see everything you own. Yeah. And, you're and like, also sometimes you just mess it up. You totally. Like, you go Oh man, that was not what we do in a day. Yeah, totally. And it's always it, it's so funny because it's like I know it's being on the phone too early mm-hmm. for me. It's being on the phone too early and being on the phone too late. First hour you got to be off. Um but anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh check out Cooper on everything. Check out the Patreon. Have a good one.